What is up, Anchor Nation? That was some Linkin Park for you. Haven't had Linkin Park uh, played on the show for a while. That was brought to you by uh, 107.3 The Fox. That was Crawling uh, from their 2000 uh, album. Can't remember the name of it. Was it Meteora? Well, hold on. What was it? Uh, Hybrid Theory. Hybrid Theory was the name of that album. Um, man, just how far we we are from that? Well, how much has happened? And it's only been 13 years. You know, that's a that's not even a drop in the bucket. Com- you know, when you look at it comparatively. Uh, rest in peace, Chester Bennington. Um, man, I I've, I've always enjoyed that band's sound. Um, anyway, I'm Aaron, your host, uh, coming at you live and ad free from my podcast Southeast Third. Thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, I. I look at that, or I listen to that album, and some of their subsequent songs, and I I can respect that um, Shinoda, Mike Shinoda from the band, wanted to have more input with uh, you know the vocals. Like he wanted to to rap and, and sing a little bit, um, and you can tell that he wanted to do that because he started his own project where he was the lead vocals. Uh, I think it was a uh, Fort Minor, yeah, Fort Minor. Why they went that route, I, I don't know, but he. Uh, like his first hit with Fort Minor was a military song, Where'd You Go? And um, I can't help but wonder what would have happened if he would have just stayed, you know, as backup vocals and not had so much input with the lyrics. Because there's a couple of songs where uh, he does do most of the singing or he does a lot of rapping. And, um, you know, just wonder where, where the band would have gone if he didn't have as much input. And, you know, now, rest in peace, Chester Bennington, he's dead. Uh, what's the future? They thought about bringing in Chester's son, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? I, I don't think that's a, a voice you can replicate. You know, I still sing those songs while I'm in my car, while I'm, you know, by myself or whatever. And, yeah, I, I can't sing for shit, but I can harmonize. So at least it sounds like the song. I just, it doesn't sound, you know, unique or, or good. It just, oh, yeah, he's, he's singing the music. It's not something that you'll, you know, stop and listen to. It's, more like background noise. <laughs> that's that's the type of sound I have. Um, I think that's my life in fucking general, to be honest. Anyway, um, you know, I thought I've been thinking about that, and it was like, you know, if if things for my life had played out differently, and I was just going to pursue what I would just love to do, like if my dreams were to come true somehow, um, I would be in acting, and I would be uh, in music, and you know, it's to. to to say that is is very uh, contradictory of what I was what I was feeling as a kid. You know, as a kid, I, I wanted to be a performer, but I didn't I didn't care much for music. Everybody was always talking about rock songs, rap songs, and country music growing up, and I just wasn't into it. I was kind of an against the grain kind of guy. Like if you liked it, I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> I guess that was just my attempt to kind of stand out. You know, I started out. Uh, wanting to be like other people like I wanted to be like my brother he was tall and strong and um, he had a lot of friends I thought you know I I should try to emulate him and then as I got older and he started making fun of me all the damn time I was like no I don't want to be like that fuckhead (laughs) he's a mean ass I don't want to be a mean ass so uh, yeah anyway so back to what I was saying Uh, I didn't want to conform. I I didn't want to just go along just to go along. And that's kind of, you know, grown as I've gotten older. It's like I don't I don't do it just because or 
because everyone else is doing it. That actually bugs the shit out of me. You know, you got to have a reason. You got to have a rationale behind it. And, you know, the rationale for me wanting to be a performer is because I really liked it. I really liked it. I'm not saying that I was good. I just really liked it. And some people have said that I was good. Like when I was, um, what was I doing? When I was doing that performance for Dr. O'Neill in Corsicana and I was the uh, yellow chicken in the suit. Granted, it wasn't great production value because, you know, everything she puts together, she pays out of her own pocket. And she uses like secondhand hand-me-down stuff and um, college-educated kids or kids that are in college, I should say. You know, they're all under 21. Um, you have the occasional 25 and up. Occasional. Like, I'm, I, was, I was the exception, not the rule uh, in her class. Anyway, um, she, you know, her production value wasn't great. And I was in that show where I was this chicken. And I had my face painted. And I was wearing this yellow costume that was kind of snug. Um, of course, I was like 240 pounds. So, fuck, man. <laughs> I, was a, I was a chunky monkey. Um, anyway, I was on stage and I was performing and my brother was like, man, he was outclassed those kids. He wasn't using the script. He was improvising. Uh, he used a, an original voice. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, we did get to do some rehearsal, but the rehearsal was mostly for blocking. You know, where are people going to be at? And then um, Dr. O'Neill uses a lot of uh, tongue twisters. And if you don't rehearse tongue twisters, bro, you're going to fuck it up in front of everybody. And that's just embarrassing. Um but what was great about that performance is that, you know, the, the kids have made comments about her writing over the years. And <laughs> she's picked up on the fact that she uses a lot of tongue twisters and that's not normal for everyone else. And they just kind of, you know, remark on that. And so she, she used that in her, her script. It was just a genius um, retelling of her time at uh, Navarro College. You know, I can't think of Navarro College without thinking of Dr. O'Neill. And she's going to retire probably in the next you know three or four years maybe five you know she can't she can't keep up at this tempo her health isn't all that great you know she's able to perform and shit but um you know there's there's just a level of demand that she's just not able to meet and she's been supporting herself um i gotta move over for this semi truck uh she's been supporting herself with some private performances outside of the university and man when she puts on a one woman show she brings the fucking house down um i don't mean like a party or you know everybody getting wild or and shit she's not that kind of woman when she puts on a show it was like damn dude look at that setup she's memorized an hour's worth of lines and it's i mean it's different when it's something that you've written like i don't have my entire book memorized but there's parts of that book that i still know because i wrote it and I read it, you know, probably a hundred times. And she's probably read her shit a hundred times. So, you know, my brother's got the, the directing bug and the writing bug. And he wants to put together movies and directing. And it's like, bro, I mean, just to get that level. People really do take that for granted. To get to the level that you see these blockbusters at, you know, there's some parts of the recipe that are just easy to replicate. You got a big name star. You got a big name director. The writing's good. There's a lot of money. And then, bam. You know, the, the, the movie kind of makes itself. But what people don't appreciate is the level of rehearsal that goes into some of these damn movies. You know, for the John Wick movies alone, and these aren't, you know, dialogue-heavy movies. These are action sequence-heavy movies. They train for months. Months they're doing these, this training. And they're not training for, like, 
you know, the whole movie. They're training for action sequences. Now, with John Wick 4, that's remarkable because I think it had the longest number of action sequences out of all the movies. And it wasn't by a little. It was by a lot. I think like 45 minutes more than the last one or something like that. I, I can't remember the facts specifically. I just remember reading that. I was like, damn, man. Keanu Reeves is getting older and he's doing more shooting sequences and uh, and jumping around and getting beat up and shit. Like, in, in the movie, he fell down this flight of stairs. I mean, it just... They made this impossible scenario. Spoiler alert, John Wick 4. Um, he, they made this impossible scenario where he's got to climb these stairs and he's got to do it in a matter of minutes. And, like, the whole way up, he's fighting people... And the idea is to keep him from reaching the top by a certain time. I think it was daylight or sunrise or whatever. And, uh, you know, if motherfucker, he made it. But shit, man, they made it incredibly challenging. And, you know, that, that was kind of towards the end of the movie. And um, I, <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine who was telling me about it, and I finally watched it. And so I said, man, that, that scene where the, um, was it, is it Donnie Yen? What's his name? The Asian dude, the blind Asian dude, that scene where he, like, knifes him in the hand was so slick and quick. <laughs> he just pulls out his little weapon and pop, gets him right in the right in the palm. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but, that, I mean, that movie in general, you know, they just shrug off incredible amounts of, of injury. Incredible injuries and incredible amounts of damage. It's insane. You know, the, the, your average person, military or not, is just not going to do that. You know, you got some um, high-end operators like David Goggins or uh, who's a Green Beret? Um, there, I saw a Green Beret interview where he was a double amputee and he talked about his recovery. You know, you got guys like that that have been through some traumatic injury. And David Goggins, let me make that clear. He, he didn't get, like, legs blown off or some shit. But he punished his body to the point where he needed, like, all kinds of crazy medical interventions to keep him from fucking dying. Um, you know, guys like that, they are the exception, not the rule. You know, you, your average dude, like, I don't, I don't, even, even putting David Goggins or any of those other dudes into that scenario with, uh, that Keanu Reeves was in, I still don't know if they're going to make it. You know, I, I don't know if their body is going to be able to push through and not give up and die. And, and that just, you know, is a testament to how far people can, can go just on willpower alone. That's a real thing. You know, I, I don't know how science measures it or calculates it or what they, you know, use to, to explain willpower. But it is a real fucking thing. And I remember this jackass Marine I used to know. He's not a jackass anymore, but he was back then was talking about how your mind can overcome just about anything you put it through. And I was, I was immediately, my thought was, you know, because I'm a fucking naysayer and I go against the grain, I immediately thought, well, yeah, tell that somebody dying of cancer. Well, you know, people have outlived uh, cancer diagnoses by years and years. You know, they do that every year. Uh, so, you know, I kind of, I'm glad I didn't say something because that would have been like the immediate evidence that you're a dumbass. Shut up. I know what I'm talking about. Not, not not me saying that. Him saying that to me. So I'm glad I glad I kept my mouth shut about that because that would have been um, the case. So anyway, moving on. Uh, it's a good thing I didn't become a fucking musician or an actor because I can't goddamn concentrate and stay on topic. Um, but you know, 
I'm, I'm not there. I'm not in that space or in that industry. It was fun to be in that industry and be involved. I would still love to make movies and direct, um, what you call it, uh, you know, maybe some music videos or, or maybe do some fan films or whatever. Uh, one of them being StarCraft, and I've talked about that at length. Um, I mean, I still have the whole plan set up. And I, I'm too old to play Rainer anymore, you know. I, I don't have the look. I'm not the, the right age anymore. You just need somebody that's a little bit taller. Somebody, uh, like Henry Cavill's not that tall. I mean, he's tall, but he's not, you know, 6'5". Uh, you get somebody that's around 6 feet. Um, and then you get somebody to play Tychus. Uh, who could you use? The guy that played Jack Reacher. I can't remember his name. Alan something. Um, that dude is freaking huge. If you watch Jack Reacher, man, and I've talked about this, I know. Uh, that, that guy's, he's built like a damn football linebacker, uh, bigger even, maybe a defensive end, and you can use him to play Takas. And what you do is, is you do kind of like what they did in Lord of the Rings. You use camera tricks and angles and body size comparison to show that this dude is a giant and Jim Rayner's just your average guy. Um, I, hell man, Tom Cruise is about as tall as me. He's like five, eight, five, nine. I don't know. You, you could have someone that of a comparable reputation and body type to play James Rayner. It's not it's not hard. But it would be a fucking good movie. It would be a good movie. Because you can combine elements of what do you call it? Um Serenity. Uh you know that movie with Nathan Fillion. Um which I, I hope to God if they make this movie they do not pick him. He's too fucking old. You need a young J James Rayner. You don't need an old Nathan Fillion. Sorry Nathan, you're a great actor but you're not the right age. Your time has passed. Um you you get uh, what the fuck was I saying? Um, you you get somebody and you you take like the either the studio or the directing team from Serenity and you get them behind the movie, but you add elements of like Alien, where there's this horrible dread of these alien creatures hunting you down and and eating you while you're still alive, like that line from Jurassic Park: "You are alive while they start to eat you." And, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm not saying necessarily that the Zerg alien is going to eat you, but they are going to kill you, and it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt the whole time that you're dying. So, you, you get what I'm saying. Um, that could be a potentially great fucking sci-fi movie. And it would give Blizzard, you know, new life in their cinematic division. War, Warhammer, or Warhammer, Warcraft just was not good, man. I was not into it. The direction they decided to go, and... The actors they cast in it. I mean, yeah, the guy that played Lothar did a good job, but that's just not who I would have picked. And I, I mean, I've been playing these games my entire fucking life. You know, I, I know Chris Metzen's history and, and his artwork and his influence with, with StarCraft. You know, I, I, I know his these people from, you know, the late 90s. And uh, I'm not saying like I'm an expert, but I, I, I have immersion. I have experience in... You know, when I see the decisions that they make, I'm like, man, that's not that's not smart. That's that's not smart. And so, granted, they they wanted to appeal to an Asian audience, and it worked. But in the U.S., man, it fucking tanked. It was all that budget and money, and I was like, yeah, your gross domestic uh, box office was not not comparable. It's not comparable. So, <sighs> but China is entering the stage as a new world power that's going to dwarf all the. I oh, hold on, let me go back. China is starting to step up, and they're probably going to be the dominant world power. Um, so, I mean, I get why all these businesses are trying to cater to their population. There's a bunch of them there, which means money. 
And um, anyway, so yeah, it's a good thing I'm not making movies. Because I, you know, I'd probably fuck it up anyway. <laughs> I'd probably fuck it up anyway. You know, I I had this whole idea, and I don't know if I've talked about this about how you know you could start off the StarCraft movie, and I think with the right money and the right talent to design like the CGI um, and the right voice actors, you know, you pull the voice actors from the games so that there's that continuity. People love continuity. You know, they love that Kevin Conroy was Batman and all these different uh, productions that Batman was in. Um, you know, if you can stick to that and find these people, you know, there's, there's so many goddamn people out there that could play Sarah Kerrigan. There's so many, um, Hell, let's say you wanted to go with somebody that hasn't busted or cut their teeth in the, on the screen. Mar Mariah Brink from In This Moment. She's got the perfect figure. She's blonde. She's got an incredible set of eyes. She's cute as fuck. I mean, she's not the right age, but, you know, with some touch-up, you can make her look like she's in her 30s, and it'll be just fine. Or, um, hell, that porn star uh, OnlyFans bitch. Uh, I think her first name is like Catherine or Caitlin or something. Um... Or Katie. She's like the number one Amaranth. That's her damn uh, screen name. She could play uh, Kerrigan. Uh, I mean, I, I came up with like 10 different people that you could possibly interview and, and audition uh, to play this role. Now, the thing is, is that I think that if they're going to do this, they're going to need to get commitments from people and do something kind of like Marvel and be like, hey, we need you for at least five or six years. We're going to do this and then we're going to put the expansion or we're going to do like the, the StarCraft campaign for humans. And then we're going to do um, the expansion campaign for humans. Like, we're not going to tell. Because the StarCraft game, if you've never played it, which is an old fucking game, has a campaign option for humans, Protoss, and a Zerg. Which the Protoss and Zerg, obviously, are aliens. But to, to make the movie, you know, for brevity's sake and for budgeting's sake and, you know, for everybody's sake, you just do the campaign for the humans and see from their story and you build some, you know, relationships between the Protoss and the humans because they, they join forces and fight the aliens, Erg. Um, not right away, obviously, but, you know, um, you build that up over time and um, you can tell the story, you know, from different perspectives and you can be like, uh, this is how Kerrigan saw it. And this is, you can tell more of Kerrigan's side because you don't really get much of her story until the sequel. Um, you know, she kind of talks about her past, but you, you don't understand how ghosts are made until the sequel. Or if you read the books, you know, you read the books and they get, they dive into that kind of stuff and how, you know, traumatic that shit was. Um, and you can give her an opportunity to act some of those memories out. And you could talk about Arcturus Minsk. One of the most notorious people in the whole StarCraft history. Um, because he made Sarah Kerrigan what she is. And she's, you know, this huge big name villain. Um, now, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to dive into that rabbit hole. We'll be on here for another hour. But, uh, you know, you could do Arcturus Mink's story. And you could, I mean, he's got an interesting story for somebody that turned villain. Like he was, he started out as this... Um, this aspiring hero that wanted to overthrow this corrupt government institution that spanned an entire solar system um, and parts of and different parts of this galaxy, you know, he he had that aspiration and he had that charisma and people were believing in him. And then the next thing you know, he's the fucking emperor and he's established his own dictatorship. And uh, you know, you can talk about how he he had that goal, and then the the catalyst for that was what the Confederacy did to him. And then that, you know, 
Um, he was able to get people of similar mind. Hey, we need to overthrow the Confederacy. But the entire time he was like, I want to rule this, this, you know, solar system or whatever sector, whatever they call it. Anyway, I fucking rambled on about this shit long enough. Um, I got to get in the house. I got to work later. I just got out of my chemistry exam. So, you know, I go through these classes and I'm like, fuck man, I should have been on TV. But you know, the more I think about it, I was like, yeah, I'm not cut out for that life either. So just got to suck it up and, and get it done. So now is the time. Now is the time. Graduate in May as long as things go well. So y'all wish me luck on that. It's getting hot out there, y'all. Texas is hitting triple digits all week. Not looking forward to August. So please take care of yourselves and don't forget to drink water. This has been Aaron Rollins with Southeast 3rd. I'm going to get in the house and uh, y'all get back to work. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, I am signing off.